What's up, everybody? Another episode of The Straight Cut coming to you from West End Cigars. I am Aaron. This is Mark. Ooh, what a week. Yeah. Man, (laughs) a lot of cigars smoked this week. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Just like, you know, a lot of cigars. But Okay, so that's a good thing, right? Yes. Um, so you picked a, a subtle cigar for the to close the week out, so you can't taste it. <laughs> no, I mean I'm. We're actually smoking the lightest one I was, that we've done today. Yeah, uh, no, for me, for me today, Nice. Uh, so we're doing the Christoph signature signature series JT. I haven't smoked this one since we had Jared on the show back in February. Um, you love this cigar. You smoke it all I the do, time, all the time. I mean, we. I think this we, is a cream bomb. Well, we talked about it last week. How whenever you bomb somebody, this is always like it's in, in your bomb. Yeah, it's it's one of those things like you never know who sends bombs until you see that one. Like, oh, that came from Mark. Yeah, but well, it's it's not a cigar that's available a lot of places, and um, it's a cream bomb. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a really good cigar, um, and so it's it's a nice one to include because people, a lot of people don't have access. Yeah, a lot of people don't, but. Uh, but so to go along with these cigars, we're going to have a really good conversation tonight. We're doing another episode of our leadership course. Um, you know, we're coming towards the end mm-hmm. of the year, so we haven't done one in about two to three months or so. So it's we're going to do that. And a lot of a lot of our listeners really enjoy that because it's where we kind of we still stay silly just enough, but we bring a little bit of seriousness to the show. And yep. honestly, you and I kind of need it more yes, more I do. more I than <laughs> than I, you. No, we both do, but. Uh, we have a guest tonight where he's he's become a good friend of ours. Yep. Um, you know, we haven't met him in person yet, but we we herf with him damn near every night. Yep. Uh, I mean, I've been bombed by him. You've been bombed by him. You've yep. bombed him. I sent him stuff because I can't say I bombed him because he blew me out of the water. And I once yeah. I once no, I opened it and, and I sent it him like, oh shit, I got to send you more stuff because you <laughs> yeah. you did you did way too good no. for me. But we have the Don himself, the Don. which we've talked about a few times. The yeah. Don of boutique cigars. Yes, like you think you like or know boutique cigars, you don't. You don't know nope. shit until you meet Nigel. That's true. And Nigel, we are so good that you uh, you know took your time to be on our show tonight. Yep. Oh, thank you for the invitation. Glad to be here. Well, Nigel's one of those guys. So we do a virtual herf pretty much 24, seven, although we haven't known each other for a full year. So maybe we'll take Easter off or something, but, um, <laughs> we, uh, we're on a lot, um, with the LCC discord uh-huh. and Nigel is, is one of those people who's on fairly regularly, um, along with Kevin and Greg and double G and a bunch of those guys, uh, yeah. Johnny who won our contest um, and it's just a very close knit group and Nigel's a big part of that. So. And you, you were able to meet a bunch of them. I know we have, having the works to meet and to do another one here shortly out in Memphis, I believe. Yeah. So um, a couple of coming up, there's one in Sacramento on November 21st. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be able to make, yeah. um, uh, cause <clears throat> that's, uh, that's a, it's hard to get to from little rock, Yeah, yeah. but we've been talking to Jeremy about having a Memphis one. I know we've talked to uh nigel about maybe having one out in the carolinas area because you're out in north carolina correct that's correct yeah yeah we've talked about possibly charlotte or maybe even raleigh that'd be awesome i've never been there i've, it's, I've always wanted to go there because it looks pretty and just i guess it'd be a kind of a drive for us but that's like a nice drive it would be a longer drive but you go through atlanta yeah you think they'd let you into the carolinas <laughs> <laughs> i don't know so i think i'd go anywhere but Huh. I'd want to go there. Yes. 
It is. I've been to the Carolinas. I've been to both of the Carolinas. It's it's uh, it's God's country down there. It's beautiful right. with the. It's a really variety of uh, uh, terrain, but it's very beautiful. Yep. So where exactly? I shouldn't say. Don't give us your street address, of course. <laughs> One, two, three, <laughs> South Drive. I know it. Well, obviously, I sent you cigars. But where, where do you live uh, within the, uh, North Carolina? So I'm in what is known as the Triad area, which is Winston-Salem. So Winston-Salem, Greensboro, and High Point make up the Triad. Charlotte's about uh, an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, and then Raleigh is about an hour and 30 minutes in the other direction. So you've you've lived in the area or pretty close to the area your entire life? <laughs> entire life. Uh, Winston-Salem, which is where I live, is my home. So I was born and reared here. I went away to school and had no plans of coming back, came back and started working for a company that was going to be a year, and it ended up being 36. <laughs> I, I know how that goes. I, I, I've had some of those plans myself that turned into yeah. 21, 22 years. Paula has worked at the company. I think she planned it working for two years till she unfortunately met a guy that uh, screwed up her plans. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's worked there about 30 years as well. So uh, Life happens while you make plans, right? <laughs> right, it does. It does. So what uh, we didn't say, what are you smoking tonight? I am smoking uh, Roma Craft Wonderlust. We are totally jelly. I've mm. not had that one of you, Aaron. I have one uh, that I got from somebody, uh, but I have not smoked it. I need to get up to La Couture or, or find a place where they have those. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Harry's Habana Hut in New York City so they can pay <laughs> top price New York City <laughs> that, tax prices. That, that primo <laughs> NYC. Right. right. Uh, yeah. Encourage New York City through their taxes. <laughs> um, we'll have to send our concierge, Kevin, out to, uh, <laughs> to scope it. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, that was the night you and I and a bunch of people were on, and Kevin was walking around with his phone, and mm-hmm. he hooked Aaron into buying a bunch of the shit. Yeah, Ho- hooked I, me? He just showed me what he has. I'm like, what's your Venmo? Right. Well, and then he started showing the the Romas, and I'm going like, lower the camera. No, nope, they don't have those. Lower the camera. I don't need to be wiring you money. He's, he was like our cig- our cigar mule that night. Well, then he saw some um, of the Lito Gomez. Oh, the number five? The five yeah. uh, small batch. And I go, oh, shoot, uh, that's going to be a problem, right? Yeah. And then he, like, over the lid and it was empty. And I go, oh, God. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> those, got, those would have some age on it. God, yeah, God looks out for sinners and, and idiots. <laughs> and there's a good example of it. So yeah. that was a fun night. Nigel, we were both on and it was like, wow, how does he still have all that stuff? Yeah, what I was thinking was uh, I had no plans on buying cigars at the time. That was a problem. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I think there were three or four people that were okay. Uh, my budget's one fifty. Uh, see what you can get for that. Yeah, it's funny because we were we were up at our uh, Conway shop, and I, you know, and you know, and Kevin was like, "Hey, I want to show you something." So I step into the humidor just so I could hear him and everything, and I come out, and Mo's like. How much you spend? I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you? What? What are you, what are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, seven hundred fifty bucks. Uh, yeah. Yep. I've yep. done those before. Those are fun. Yep. I hear you. Yeah, place in Kansas somewhere where you uh, <laughs> that found all my VIs. Yeah, found all your VIs. Yeah, that was that was a fun. That was. I've been cutting. I've been cutting back since March. Yeah. And now you, I'm going into another month. 
you and I have been having that same conversation. It feels like for six months. Yeah. I'm just going to slow down a little bit, just a little bit, yeah. just the stuff I absolutely need. Yeah. And then they had this big drop online where they were just dropping cigars, uh-huh. and, and Nigel and I were good boys, right up until there was a. It's just a ten pack of random stuff. We have no idea what it is. Sixty five yeah. bucks, and Nigel and I both were the first two in. Yeah, in. <laughs> and then the whole night because we we talked. What the hell did we just do? We resisted the temptation all day when we knew what we were buying. Yeah. And then it was random. Ten cigars. You don't know what it is. Yeah. And then suddenly I'm in. Well, see, and then, I mean, he's an enabler. He sent us both the Tatawahe oh, uh, special drop of, like, hard, hard to find stuff. And we're like, oh, man. Yeah, it cost me four bills. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you're, you're, you're a bad influence, you know. We have you on for the leadership show. And we're just bringing out all the bad influence that you're doing for, uh, for us cigar guys. Yeah. Well, you know, it's eventually going to come out anyway, right? <laughs> exactly. It just gets me there quicker. Yeah. <laughs> More direct route. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I know uh, we met on LCC, and I'm, I'm going to expect you've smoked cigars for a while, but I don't actually know that. Um, do you, uh, you know, when was your first cigar? How long have you smoked cigars? My first cigar probably was back in the early 70s. Um, I actually used to smoke pipes as well. So I started with pipes. I probably had about 10 or 15. And, you know, smoking a pipe is an art because you have to make sure you pack it right. Uh, Either you will burn yourself to death or you can't smoke it. And uh, decided to try cigars. And I talked to someone who kind of gave me, at that time, a little education about cigars which is not 100% true, and that is, you know, the lighter the wrapper, the milder, the darker the wrapper, the stronger. You know, kind of, you know, just try out, see what you like, find out what your palate is, and so that's how I I started. Macanuno, I want to say it's Hyde, it's either Crystal Cafe or Hyde something. Hyde Park. It's in a little, yeah. Hyde Park. Yeah. It's in a uh, little glass tube. Uh, I think... Probably was the first one that I smoked. I just really liked that cigar. It was nice. It was mild. And uh, so that began the journey. I didn't smoke anywhere near the number of cigars that I smoke now. You know, now it's kind of a, a job. You know, it's yeah. 24-7. Yeah. I've got to get them in. But I would smoke one, and once I found something that I like, whenever I went back, I'd always get that. But then I would try something else. And it was just that process of, well, I don't quite like this one. Let me try that one. I like that one. So I'll buy a few more. But uh, that was the beginning of my, my cigar smoking. Probably four years ago, I met uh, a friend at the local B&M here, a friend of mine and his wife own it. And a guy came in, and I had some cigars I'd given the owner, and he was interested. So I went home and got one and brought him one back. And we started talking. He mentioned boutiques. And I had no idea what a boutique was. Like, so who are you talking about? And Black Label happened to be the company. And so I've been on that sort of uh, following that cult for a period of time now. And uh, as I told Smoke Coach, that you all know, Jeremy, you know, uh, buy quality and diversify. So. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of my motto, yeah. you know. I just I buy good sticks and I buy a lot of different good sticks, and I just smoke stuff and move on to the next good stick. Yeah, yeah. You have uh, every time because you post a lot of the cigars you smoke online. You you do smoke a lot of different cigars. Um, that that black label is obviously a good uh, good example of a 
Yeah, one of the boutiques. Um, mm-hmm. Jeremy is is a uh, is also one of those guys. He's he's trying to do what you and I have been trying to do for a while, which is not spend any money. But he's also trying to smoke for forty one days. A different, not smoke the same cigar for forty one days. Oh, okay. I've, right. I've seen that. I didn't know what that was. So, so that's what it is. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. And he doesn't count uh, Vitolas. Okay. So a different cigar, I believe. Okay. That's what he. That's what he was explaining. Yeah. That'd be fun yeah. to do. That'd be fun to do. Yeah. I mean, he's he's done pretty good at it. Of course, I don't know about not spending any money because he has a bucket at LCC. It's just delayed gratification. So he's just postponing <laughs> when he spends all his money on the same day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jeremy is one of those guys uh, I met in St. Louis. Uh, he's our he's our Memphis mm-hmm. uh, buddy and. Uh, just one of the coolest dudes ever. Yeah. Just a really cool dude. He he's uh, a good dr- guy. Drives the country delivering uh, airplane parts. Um, so he's on the herf all the time, driving yeah. much like JJ is. Yeah. Um, but he is just a really, really cool dude. Yeah, I can't wait to get out there and and meet him and everything. Yeah, he was asking when we're going to do the the Memphis herf, and I said um, we have to do it soon, but probably yeah. after the first of the year, so that we can avoid holidays. But probably would be the easiest. But uh, yeah, soon, so, sooner than later. So, yep. okay, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you have a, uh, you know, with everything that's, uh, you know, since we're kind of shut down and everything, did you have a brick and mortar that you went to uh, before all this? Because I see you, you like they delivered to you and everything, which is awesome. I love brick and mortars. They'll do that. We do that every once in a while. But did you have like a, were you a brick and mortar guy or were you more of like get the stuff and then just chill on your patio? Well, it's a combination of both. Uh, before COVID, uh, as I say, the, the owners of the uh, brick and mortar here, which is Top Leaf Cigar Lounge, uh, are friends of mine. Uh, I've known a husband for some time. Uh, met his wife who didn't smoke cigars when they opened it up and is now a connoisseur of sticks. And so uh, it was a great place to hang out, as you all know. You know, when you sit yeah. down with cigars and yeah. it doesn't matter who the person is, you just you talk, you shoot the bull, you smoke a good stick, you buy more. So spent not a lot of time there, but I would stop in periodically and try to support them because I know them and go in and buy sticks. Uh, I still buy quite a few online just because deals come up from time to time since COVID has hit. And particularly in North Carolina, you know, we had different phases of being open or not open. So there was a period of time where you couldn't go into the lounge. And uh, Bethany was, um, you know, she was good about, you know, for anyone for that matter, it could be you all or someone else. Uh, you can call her, take a look at the sticks, tell her what you want. She'll mail them to you. Uh, for people local, she'll deliver them. So, That's nice. Uh, just to support her, you know, I would just call up and say, hey, you know, let me have five of these and five of those. And she'll pop up and stand outside, and I'll take a picture, and she'll drop them off on the porch, and we'll keep on rolling. So it's it's nice. been very good. As a matter of fact, someone gave me, um, someone in another group that I'm in, uh, sent me some sticks for my birthday and uh, they actually called her and picked out the sticks and she brought them over. So, yeah, you know, you like to support people like that, that go out of their way to do things for you. And you want to make certain that you help them out in a time of need. hundred percent. What's the name of the shop? Top leaf cigar lounge. Yeah. Awesome. As a matter of fact, that uh, one of the sticks that I sent you, Mark, uh, fuck cancer was one that, um, Bethany and another friend, Stacy, have visited uh, Black Label a couple of times in Ovenegra. And um, 
part of the factory tour there is you get to roll your own sticks and blend them and uh, you create your own label. And so that fuck cancer was from a friend who was battling breast cancer at the time and uh, had a couple of them and, you know, thinking about what you all were doing for that particular person and the the, uh, contest that you were having, I thought that would be an appropriate one to to send to you. Yeah, that is perfect. And that that does segue nicely into that. We started that contest last Friday Mm -hmm. um, and the details posted, so we won't get too much into them in the podcast, but check out the uh, Instagram. Yeah. So we, I've posted the, in our bio is the one for Camp Aldersgate infidel or Sarah Samores Instagram, who have also linked, um, it goes to the, uh, gift of hope. Um, for mine, it was for my brother with Camp Aldersgate and all, we've already had like six or seven people, uh, already That's do right. it. Um, so thank you very much. I, uh, I went and got a, a, a bottle of liquor to add to, so, so I did decide we're going, we are going to do two. So I added a stop tomorrow at the I, liquor store to so get, I, get I added some gift. liquor to it and a bunch of other stuff. So we're, so nice. it's all, it's all going good stuff and people's going to get some, some cool shit. I mean, hell, I mean, like you said, Nigel gave uh, the fuck cancer that's a, one. That's a, that's a pretty special cigar. That's yeah. uh, that's pretty cool. So, um, the black label, uh, tour sounds like the one to go on. I, I, I'm man, sure I, the Perdomo one's awesome. I, I've, yeah. I've been the, invited, the black label I, is the one that looks awesome. I've and I've had a few of like the like what he was talking about, like uh, Tanner from uh, Scallywag. I know they went down there, right. and so I did like a just a, a blind grab bag so I have through to buy her a shop so, to go. Yeah, so okay. like she sent me one that, that she rolled with the black label, and it was. I was like, damn, do you have any more of these <laughs> to sell? And they, they didn't. They didn't have any, but it was good. But I love like what you're saying. I love black label. That's that one's probably one of my favorite right now of of boutique brands. And I don't think I've ever had a one that I haven't liked. I haven't had a ton of black label, but when we were at the Hill, I rectified that. Really? Yeah. Do you smoke enough? Yeah. I know I've not smoked them yet, but they're sitting in the humidor. Oh, the killer B is amazing. The, yeah, I bought, a, I bought the, several uh, of those. What, what? Of course, uh, everyone has one of the exclusive ones. So there are probably four or five cigars that oh, yeah, you can only get. Pole. Yeah. Yep. The uh, tiger Lily is the one. So you can only, get some sticks if you go there and go on the tour. So usually when uh, Stacy and Bethany go over, it's like, you know, I like to have a box of these and half a box of those and some of these. So, uh, <laughs> Aaron nice. got one of the last two that I had left. Nice. So I, I so I need to save that one for a special occasion then. In the day that ends in the Y. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> See, but here, I mean, okay, the thing is, like, I have a bad problem hoarding, like, you do harder to find stuff, and I end up smoking the same, like, 20 cigars that I, I like that are readily available, but I like. This is one of the things Nigel and I, I, I wish sh- to I talk schmeagle to you about. and, or Gollum, the, my precious. Yes. Just. <laughs> Nigel and I share the same view of this, which is... I'm trying to break it. I'm trying. I'm trying. No day like today to smoke something special. I know. It's already in the middle. Somebody's going to get some good stuff. So, I mean... Remember, Aaron, so I'm uh, following in Mark's footsteps here. So, I have one note. That's... uh, It's tobacco. (laughs) And it it, it has undertones of tobacco. That's my note. I stick with that, right? Yeah, that... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is still uh it's not my favorite thing that's ever happened on the discord that, that's another story which we will not share on the podcast um, uh, which is 
a lot funnier, but the night that they all sat there quietly waiting for Kevin to tell them what they were getting out of the yeah. cigar they were all smoking. Right. And you and I and we talked about tobacco with undertones of tobacco. Yeah. Yeah. Ben tried to get in my head one night we were smoking the Byron. So now I just said, uh, I know you can taste it. What do you taste? And say, Ben, tastes like tobacco. It does. <laughs> really good tobacco. I like really the good tobacco. Yeah. The the bar I haven't had that one yet. I like that one. I opened this month's box. I've not got. I don't know that I've gotten this month's box. I mean, I, don't, I won't. No spoilers then. No spoilers. So it looks good. I haven't gotten mine either, but I'm okay with spoilers. Uh, yeah, I don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll seek them out. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I honestly, I don't. I don't. I don't care either because it's one of those things where, like, I mean, we've had Frank on the show, and he does like awesome pictures and he's on the on discord so it's always like i see his pictures i'm like oh shit i saw it yeah fuck it who cares like oh yeah this girl looks awesome can't, right can't wait to have that one yeah in general i'm just excited if there's something good in there so there this one um i'm not gonna say anything fuck it okay. i'm not gonna say anything cool good yeah. keep your mouth shut <laughs> i didn't want to hear from you anyway oh i know so uh, what uh, you, you've you've said a few of the ones that you like, but you know you kind of have that persona in the Discord chat of you know we call you the Don. So <laughs> you get that because of just you have a like a, a a taste of like really good boutiques, like stuff that I've never even seen before. The you sent me like eight or nine cigars, and I've only ever seen one. And I've been you know smoking cigars for a long damn time. So <laughs> you know how did you get? that persona of like, you know what? I really like these boutiques a whole whole hell of a lot. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of, you go down that rabbit hole, right? Um, I'm in a lot of different cigar groups. And so you see someone smoking something, uh, they say it's a good stick and well, let me try it. I'll buy a five pack, Yeah, you know, and you might like that one. You buy some more. Sometimes you don't buy more. So it's, it's been more of, um, uh, I know that I am an adult with ADD, not because I have been diagnosed with it. <laughs> it's just, it's just that when the new shiny thing comes up, it's like <laughs> I want to try that. Yeah, <laughs> let me get five of those and yeah. see how that is. And yeah. that, that's really how it started. It started with Black Label because a friend mentioned it to me, and I just started smoking some of the sticks, you know. And then it was Viaje, and then it was Rojas, and then it was something else and then a new stick comes out and you see two or three people smoking it and you go uh, i know those folks i know they smoke good sticks uh, i think i'll try that one and so again it just gets down to just being diverse yeah uh, you know it's just like i like food but i don't want to eat steak every day yeah i, I will uh, say I, like if there's anybody to challenge me on viaje fanhood it would be you <laughs> you're the only other person that likes it as much as I do. I like, I love Viaje. No, I'm the, I love Viaje. I'm right there in that boat. Do you go five packs more than you go boxes? Cause I, I don't know that I ever see you really getting boxes. You're I don't buy a lot. Boxes. Yeah. Boxes. Mostly. I don't buy a lot of boxes. There've been a few that I have, that I've purchased, uh, boxes. I mean, I was on this, um, perfect pairing that Kevin talked me into. It was another one of those week nights, you know, when you go in the grocery store and you're hungry and you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, you, <laughs> you spend a hundred dollars and now you're on this 
perfect pairing. So, uh, and because Nat Sherman was, you know, was closing, uh, I bought a couple of boxes or something because they recommended them and, and it was half price off, right? The, the Sober Mesa, um, uh, Brulee, I think I bought a box, uh, Sin Compromiso is one that was box worthy. I really like, and it's a budget stick, the Juarez Johnny Brown. It's just, uh, you know, it's like a $6 stick, but it's just flavorful and it's a great stick to me. <clears throat> so, so not as many boxes, uh, the unstolen valor. I think I picked up a box, the U boat, uh, I was able to get on on that before it sold out. So it, it's more five or ten packs than it is boxes, but they're – and usually when I buy a box, I ended up giving away most of them anyway, yeah, not yeah. because they aren't good. It's just that, you know, you, you share them with someone. Right, yeah. Because yeah. I've, I've started doing the five and ten pack too so that I can buy a lot of more stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I like that five-pack idea because – you know, at the end of the, at the, like every week, if you want to go buy cigars, it's a lot easier to buy a five pack. And I'm right. like, I'm the same, I'm the kind of guy where like, I want to smoke the same, like if it's a new cigar, I want to smoke it at least two times just in case you got that bad peach or, mm-hmm. you know, I always do like a straight cut first and then a V cut to see what I like better. So I, I like buying the the yeah. five pack wise. And there's, I mean, there's, there's a few like Viaje, if they come out with a brand new box, I'm buying the box. Pretty much, right. but for for anything else, it's sure it's like just a, a handful of, of that. And then if I say right. I really like it, oh yeah, okay, box. Well, I mean, it's like the Roma Craft, for example. I want to say it was a 2018 Witchcraft. It's that odd shaped cigar that's probably like a 56 at the the foot, yeah, and it's yeah. small at the. A friend sent me one in a bomb, and it's like I need to find this stick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I need a box of these, and of course, you couldn't find them anywhere. Now I happen. To know a guy that knows some people, mm-hmm. and uh, I reached out to him. You know, you have those folks, and I know you all know this that when this limited edition sticks come out, they just buy all these sticks up, yeah. and when they're gone, uh, they sell them at an inflated price. Yeah. Uh, but that was one of those that uh, I, I splurged and brought up. I have one of those left, you know. I'm like you on that one, Aaron. I keep looking at it. It's like, I really want to smoke <laughs> that cigar. <laughs> but yeah. that's the last one I have. Right? Yeah. Do you enjoy the uh, the hunt for cigars? Because I I find that I do. Because if you don't find what you what you're looking for, you sometimes find something else. But I I enjoy scouring the message boards or Reddit or hell even like the Discord or something like that. Just on the hunt for something, and if you don't find that one thing, usually you find something else. So I enjoy it. Do you like Do you like the hunt? I enjoy it as much as I do smoking them. Uh, part of the hunt for me is being in too many cigar groups on Facebook, for example. Yeah. And so you just see so much stuff, right? And you look at something and go, well, let me check this out. And then you, you go down that rabbit hole of, and I'm sure you all have done this before, is where you find something, you put it in your, your cart, and then it says, oh, for $29 more, you can get these 10 six and a free lighter and a free shipping. Right. Like, okay, I didn't need that cigar, but I think I'll buy it. Right. Twist <laughs> right. my arm. And then you end up with 60 cigars you don't know where to put. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. My wife has gotten to the point now where she, every day, said, do I have an email? Uh, no. No. You have, you have more cigars? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah, but the hunt is the hunt is is great. You know, it's a it isn't an addiction, but it is at the same time. Yeah, you know, I don't have to do it, but it's just uh, the process of finding something and uh, finding something you like, and then sharing something with someone else and exchanging sticks is just uh, it's it's very enjoyable. Now, I have on occasion, and you all may have done this as well. And I know Mark knows this. Uh, I always smoke a stick right off the truck. Yep. Right? I know it needs to wait. I know you need to sit on it for a while. I understand that. When I get cigars in, I open one up and I'm going to smoke it. Now, most cases, it's good. There have been some cases where, uh, to give an example, there's a stick that uh, James Brown did for a shop in in Pittsburgh. It's called Leaf by James. Right, and so I kept seeing this stick posted, and people were just talking about it. I'm like, I need to get this stick. Well, I can't find it anywhere. And then what I found out is it's specific to this shop in Pittsburgh, and they aren't selling it yet. Well, I want it now because I can't get it. <laughs> and so eventually, I get a bundle of twenty. You know, I've seen all these posts. The cigar is great, man. J- James, you've done it again. I smoked the f- first cigar, and I'm like, uh, this just doesn't do it for me. I'll wait a couple of weeks. Waited a couple of weeks. I smoked the second one. Nah, I don't really care for this one. So I started giving the sticks away. <clears throat> and then somebody one day was looking for some. I said, well, how many do you want? Well, five. I said, okay. We'll trade. I'll send you five. You can send me anything. It doesn't matter. So I, I gave, I smoked two. So I gave 16, 15 or 16, either trade or giving to people. Yeah. I'm down to my last two, and now it's been a couple months. And then I smoked one, and I went, man, this is a good cigar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving all of them away. <laughs> just needed some age. Yeah. Just, just yeah. And now you just got to wait to see if you can get it back in a bomb or something. Well, exactly. I had never smoked one off the truck. That was not something that I did. Nigel and I have talked about this, but I've started doing that. Yeah. Just to see. Um, and so I got, I like got a f- uh, five pack of, uh, of uh, the um, uh, Amafortes and just yeah. smoke one. Just yeah. see what it is, right? Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, well, that's a really good scar. Put the other four away yeah. for a little bit, see yeah. how they are. But in general, the people that I order from do a good job of taking care of the scars. Mm-hmm. They're not going right. to be like show up like really bad. Mm-hmm. So the fact is you're smoking them isn't like really risky. <clears throat> no, no. I mean, like, uh, I mean, Nick Gervais with my monthly sends no, them perfectly packed. perfectly packed, you know, uh, Chris and Ben's and there's perfectly yeah. packed. Uh, yeah. you know, whenever we order from, if from like an on, like uh, not online, but like from a brick and mortar from <laughs> yep. you know, Locaterra or Scallywag or something always come in nice and packed. And, uh, but it's like, I mean, there's sometimes where like, uh, let's see, uh, Liga, like they don't, Larry wants you to hold them and do it because they do all the aging process for you. And they, and when they send it out, they're like, yeah, no, this is ready to go. This is that's what Dave says with Martinez. Yeah. They send it out when it's per, when it's right in that prime for you to enjoy because they do all the work on their side. I just don't break. Just, <laughs> just, just, just <laughs> I'm smarter than they are. What do they know? <laughs> what, yeah. what, hey. what do they know? 
I, I don't worry about taking my little uh, uh, humidity thing sticking in it. I just yeah. take it out the pack, flip it, yeah. smoke it. Uh, you know, sometimes it's outstanding, and other times it's well, this one needs to wait. Yeah, yeah. So, and I keep mine a little relatively drier, really. Too, I I, I keep mine about sixty six. Yeah. So whenever I do send stuff out, I always say like, you know, maybe let it sit for a week or so, just because I I prefer mine just a little dry, a little drier because it's I'd rather have a a faster burn than. A slower burn? Well, then, like, a burn that, like, it just won't stay lit because it might be a little too overhumidified. But yeah. that's just a personal preference. I mean, but uh, 66 to 69, I mean, that's not much of a difference. Nice. Three. <laughs> Three. <laughs> <laughs> can you nice yourself? Because I just did. I don't know if I can or not. Huh? I just niced myself. Can I nice myself? Can you nice? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, <laughs> some of them, um, I've started uh, lower humidifying the Tatawais. Yeah. Um, because I like those when they burn a little. Charlie was in, um, and, and there were some people, there were Canadians who were telling me that you need to lower the humidity on uh, Cubans, mm-hmm. which isn't a problem for me because yeah. I don't have a ton of Cubans. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> it's not readily available <laughs> for us. <laughs> but, but I do. Some of my my tats burn heavy, and so I lowered the humidity on one of my humidors to um, to account for that. You know, it's burning nicely, or at least our cigars over here on our side. Mine's complete garbage. No, that's not true. Mine's burning beautifully. How's your Wanderlust burning? It is burning very well, very nicely. This is this is a very good. As JJ would say, this is a very 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 good stick. He would. Only at the end of the night, though. <laughs> After he's uh, knocked the man over and finished it, right? <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> JJ was one of those guys we met in St. Louis, um, and one of the nicest guys. Yeah. His wife is perfect for him. She is a <laughs> uh, firecracker, and uh, probably more than he could handle, um, which seems only totally fair. Yep. She was yeah. she was cool as heck. JJ is one of the good ones. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's one of the he's one of the real good ones. Well, let's talk about our cigars and touch back on it because it's been six months since we have these. Um, but it is it's a it's a limited production. It's by you know Christoph um, by their is it their their VP of sales is that yep. what he is? Um, so it's an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, a Sumatra binder and filler, and then Dominican and uh, San Andreas. Yep. Um, so it's it's got something in it for everybody, but you do get a little cedary, but you don't get woody notes out of cigars. But the cream, this is a very for for tobacco that's a little non creamy that I would put. It's it's a pretty creamy cigar. Um, I get out of this cigar cream. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and it's just a, a little bit of spice comes through, but for the most part, it's just it's a really good cedary creamy cigar, and it's. Yeah. Uh, like I said before we went on the air, like I I I haven't smoked this one since the last show because I really like Christoph's line and they have a lot to choose from. So yeah. you can smoke through their core line and a bunch of other stuff without double doubling back easily. Yep. And it's just super easy to do, but this one is really nice. And I know you really like it because you send it out all the time and I do. You've shared the love to a lot of people, but I have. I'm only what what like less than fifteen shops have this. I think it's less than ten. Yeah. I mean it's he said it was for his 
his best friends and we're, yep. we're one of them. You know, it's kind of sucks because we're going to have, we were supposed to have Glenn here for yep. our six year anniversary, which said that last week as well. But yep. uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have Glenn here and Trudeau back and it'd yep. be a, Jared was one of the uh, uh, funniest guys that we have, dude, have had. That was one of the craziest shows we've ever done. Well, that recording was about seven hours. <laughs> it was so long. <laughs> like, it was so long. So um, we always ask this question, and uh, so you've, you've been warned, um, <laughs> but uh, we're going to ask the question of you. It doesn't mean the best cigar you've ever smoked. It doesn't uh-huh. mean it doesn't mean anything. It means mm-hmm. what is the most memorable cigar you've ever smoked? Could be the people you smoked it with, could be the moment you smoked it in, could be anything. Could be the cigar that you smoked. So uh, I have thought about that and probably the most memorable was the first Cuban that I smoked. So Cuban, uh, it, it's it's another one of those you can't get the stick, so you really want it. Yep. And uh, I have a friend who uh, is from Puerto Rico, and he has someone that comes over from Cuba frequently that uh, brings them boxes. So I had a Cohiba Siglo four or six, I forget which one. Nice. Bought a box from him, and I was sitting in the Nub Cafe, which is where I am now. It was not known as the Nub Cafe then. It was just a <laughs> pa- it was just a patio at that time. Uh, it was a beautiful day. Sun was going down. The weather was great. Opened the box up, and uh, it still had that cedar flavor in it. And it's 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 almost. And I know you've experienced this before, whether it's a vacation or something else, where this is just perfect. You know, it was just, it was the combination of the day. It was the first one that I had. It was right out of the box. I fired it up. I had that cedar taste to it, and it was just incredible. Nice. Uh, so that, that probably is the one that's most memorable. And uh, to a certain extent, it's somewhat similar to, uh, I don't know if you watched the uh, cutting light that Chris did with Jay London. I did. When the question was asked of him, it was the same question, basically. What, what was your? I think someone asked him, what was your favorite, or what is your favorite cigar? And his response really was, it's an experience. And it happens to be with this particular person, and I was smoking a cigar more than it is the cigar itself. And so that, there have been quite a few of those, particularly on the hearse that we've been on. You know, it's just been, as you know, we've had some uh, hilarious evenings. We have. When you get you get uh, twelve to fourteen men uh, acting like thirteen year old kids, <laughs> la- laughing for an hour over something that is just juvenile, it is, and, you, and you're smoking a cigar. So uh, those things tend to just stick out. And cigar was a part of it, so it wasn't. Yep. I was smoking this stick at that time. It was I was smoking, and we were just laughing like kids. But that that Cohiba Siglo. That's a good um, one. On that beautiful day was was probably the most memorable one. Is that your favorite? So you you've smoked several Cubans. I've seen you smoke some. Is that Siglo? Do you have a favorite Cuban cigar? That uh... probably the like you the one I'm smoking at the time. So I, I like uh, I like Cohiba. Yep. So I smoke quite a few of those. Uh, Monte Cristo has been good. I, I like the Trinidad. Uh, they're a little more have been a little more 
difficult to get. But so it's not a, I don't have a particular one to say this is my absolute favorite. <clears throat> you know, if it's a good stick, yep. uh, it's good. Yep. The one in my hand at the moment, right? Exactly. So do you have a, I know you smoke the rain, you know, the rainbow of cigars, but if you had uh, a specific type of cigar that you go to, do you have a preference or do you just like, do you, you know, I like, um, you know, San Andreas or, or whatever. Do you have a, a specific leaf or some type of cigar that you sort of prefer? Do you, I know you smoke so much. This seems like an odd question for me. So <laughs> like you smoked so many different types, but do you have a preference? My preference is one of the things I'm going to attempt to do is to think more about, for example, the wrapper and filler, and then kind of relate that to which cigars I like. And is it more of one kind or another? Currently I don't do that. It's my preference really is for flavor. Uh, I like something that's tasting that has flavor to it. So if I had a preference, that would be it. And, and it doesn't matter whether it's dark or right. Connecticut. It's just flavor. A lot of flavor. Uh, that's yeah. That's something that uh that I really enjoy. So in terms of rapper, you know, I hear particularly on the herf, you know, everybody's well, it's a matcha rapper. Well, I like this particular rapper. I don't like this. I like that. And I'm like. I just like cigars, man. It's a good stick. And right. so I really haven't play, paid as close attention to, if I look at all the sticks that I've really liked, do they have this thing in common? Okay. Uh, which may be something good to do. Like, okay, so why don't you buy more of those? Yeah, I like the variety. I, I'm, I'm like you. I, I do have certain types that m- appeal to me more, I suppose, if I thought more about it. But what I like is smoking different things. But the one right. thing I do like is something with a lot of flavor. I agree with yeah. you. Actually, I, mean, I gravitate towards Nicaraguan. Um, sure. But I like San Andreas wrap, stuff like that. But something with like good flavor. But I mean, like what we were talking uh-huh. about before, like Connecticut's are starting to make a way back into my yeah. normal rotation just because we're starting to find ones that have more flavor, hit that note just right. And then just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's so. It's it's nice, and plus it, it resets my palate. If I just smoke pepper bombs all day long, you know, just smoke some like nice creamy cigars, get that palate back to zero, and you know, then go go back on my merry way of smoking like the uh, the Viaje birthday blend, which was like smoking a jalapeno from start to back. And I love that stick. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? Though, man, that is, that is the spiciest thing I've ever had. I have two of those left, and I keep looking at them. Is that is that the one with the uh, the holographic uh, band on it? it? Is a sort of a white and green, a yeah. white and beige. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that is. Ugh. Yeah, I love you. I love that stick. You know, it's a uh, the Perdomo uh, Champagne tenth anniversary. Oh yeah, it's just another stick that I could to smoke all day. I mentioned the Juarez uh, Jack Brown, which is a small stick. It's a budget stick, but it's. It, it has flavor, you know. It, it's a good stick. Cost six dollars, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Atabe, um, Atabe is probably another one of those that's similar to that first Cuban that I smoked. Uh, a friend of mine was smoking one one night, and I asked him about it. He told me what it was, and I went out and 
search for them and I found them. I'm like, hmm, that's a mortgage payment. I can't buy those. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then I smoked one. I'm like, this is really good. Now you know why it's that way. This is, and the thing about it is, is that everyone you smoke is just like that one you smoked. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's consistent. It has a great burn. It has great ash. It tastes the same as the first one that you smoked. They do burn like a champ. I'm not as big a fan as you two are mm-hmm. just because of the price, which is unfair. <laughs> Uh-huh. But it's a really good cigar. Yeah, it's it's in my top for mine. So, well, you want to you want to do some music real quick before we get into the meat of the show? Sure. I was uh, I was looking it up. All right, I'll go instead. I'll go first. So you gave me ACDC back in black. I did. Um, I mean, this like this is one of those times. It's like fuck. I got to pick one song. Like you do. one. It's the rules. Just one. I mean, it's. I mean, it starts off with Hell's Bells. We so at. In in my football team that I call for, every third down for the opposing player at home, yeah. we start with Hell's Bells. Right. I mean, and then right before the snap, we stop playing. But like that Hell's, it just has that ominous like that tone, and it sets like it just you know, sets the mood. Your manager says one of the great quotes of all time: "When you go to San Diego, you want to be losing one game so that you can hear." Trevor, whatever his name is, coming because he would play Hell's mm-hmm. Bells coming into his walkout music in the ninth inning. Uh-huh. He said, you just wanted to hear it one time. <laughs> yeah. It is a great song to walk out to. A, uh, I hate my manager, by the way. I know. That's why I brought it up. That was like a double win for me right there. Uh, all right. So what do I go with? Do I go Hell's Bells? Do I go Shoot to Thrill? Do I go, you know, the classic Back in Black? Uh, no. I'm going with the uh, rock and roll ain't noise pollution. Rock and roll ain't noise pollution. I mean, because plain and simple, the 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 it's in the song title. I mean, rock and, rock and roll. roll has its place. It's here to stay. It is. You know, this is, you know, they were making that anthem. We're like, hey, rock and roll's here. It ain't going nowhere. I mean, that just, dis- that defies what this era, but also ACDC was and is. <laughs> I tell you what. One of the great albums of all time. Angus was amazing on this album. Mm-hmm. Brian was was great. I mean, um, and this was Brian's first real uh, big for, album. Well, this was his first album because Brian. before this, he had there was a it was Bon uh, Bon Bon Scott Bon Scott. Yeah, yep, who died? And uh, um, and it was uh, just great guitar licks. Just mm-hmm. just awesome. Yeah, was one of my first really albums that was of my generation that was great along with van halen so it was a it was a nice way to button up the three rock albums you gave me um techno pop <laughs> um, i wouldn't call that no that's actually what wikipedia says <laughs> oh well uh, wikipedia is wrong <laughs> this is like it's, Lily it's Allen. i would go euro pop not techno pop okay euro pop um even then be pushing it uh it's not me it's you it's kind of adelaide with a little, um, and why can't I think of her name? Uh, back, back to black. Why can't I think? Oh, of uh, um, the lady who died at thirty-three. Yeah, um, but <clears throat> yeah. And um, the first time I listened, so I listened to this again with Paula. First three songs. Um, just let me say that Paula does not like your music. Then <laughs> um, the first listen for me was kind of hard. There are some. There are some lyrics in here that are intentionally vulgar, just from a vulgar point of view. 
Um, and, yeah, that country song. Yeah, there are some. <laughs> there's some intentional stuff in here. It is, um, and the first thing is, um, this album is also almost sadder in some ways than Jason Isbell because this is a 30 year old woman writing about how empty her life is, mm-hmm. and it's pretty sad. Yeah. In a techno pop sort of way, because this was her second or third. I, second, for, I forget. Second but, album. Yeah, the first album was was reggae slash ska, mm-hmm. um, and, and so which is actually a little more closer to me. There are some songs in here about how empty her life is and how she's like a boyfriend mm-hmm. that I can't relate to because I've been married for about fifty years. But um, it's it's pretty sad. <clears throat> so while she was while she was writing this. I think she was going through a divorce with the uh, the lead singer of uh, the the Crystal Method. Oh, okay. So just to yeah, give you that, uh, it is the my first listen to this album was I was going to crush you because it was um, the, some of the lyrics were childish, and yeah, not very clear. There are some really good songs in there. Like Twenty Two is just a bad song. Twenty Two is a good bad song. It's, yeah, it's a good mm-hmm. song, but it's like. It's, it's all, I suppose if I listened to it a bunch, I would get into how, uh, nihilistic the, the lyrics are right. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff. Um, there's a song called fuck you. It is, <laughs> that is whatever <laughs> Chinese. <laughs> the first time I heard it, I thought, wow, they, they captured Facebook in a song, mm-hmm. and, you know, but then you, you sort of listen to it and it's about how we're going to do the little things together and whatever the song, um, I debated, so the first part of this album, I didn't, I still don't really like very much, um, just because I don't think the lyric writing is better. But the second half got a lot better, and I thought some of the songs, including him, and he wasn't there. Um, the it was actually actually the songs were better. If I really dug into this album, mm-hmm. the songs are a lot deeper than you thought. The third listen, you're going, I I get the point. On, of on the surface, it's garbage. It's garbage. It's just the first listen. I thought, <laughs> what what is it? Did Britney Spears? I, I didn't expect drop the, acid yeah. and like do <laughs> write a bunch of songs. Um, and so, but I dug in. Um, I I chose him. Okay. Um, I liked the 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 point of the song. Um, he wasn't there, was there, um, um, would have known, could have been chosen, but I, I chose him. Um, it was, um, she, she, um, Amy Winehouse is Amy Winehouse. Yeah. So here's the problem. So I listened to the the album the first time and I think, well, she, she, she kind of reminds me of Adelaide, but who she really reminds me of Amy Winehouse. And Mm -hmm. if you think about back to black, that album, Amy Winehouse, which is soulful and mm-hmm. old school soul music, where she describes destroying her life, which she eventually did effectively did yeah. two years later. It just this album pales compared to that yeah. because she talks about destroying her relationship and throwing up on the floor and having sex in that situation and all those things so graphically but beautifully that it's just but. This album is a lot deeper than I thought. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a lot more the third listen than I thought I would after the first listen where I thought you're going to kill me. I was going <laughs> to kill you. I yeah. was going to go. I was going to say this is a very shallow See, album. And, and I did not nearly as shallow. And as I, I, I probably should have told you like it's going to take you a couple. To it would get probably to it. take me 15 listens to really appreciate some of these songs. Um, there's a couple of songs in here where she's clearly being sarcastic, where mm-hmm. she's talking about I'm plastic, I'm so wonderful, and mm-hmm. all this stuff. She's clearly being sarcastic about about the consumption lifestyle, mm-hmm. and you're just going, yeah, it's 
my my future's so bright I had to wear shades, sort of sarcasm. I get mm-hmm. that. Missed. Okay, I get the point of that song. Um, uh, sometimes you're a little too subtle for me. I, I kind of want to like uh, a yeah. little more, little little whatever, but it was interesting. Her, She's got an interesting music style. I One of the things I didn't do because I was trying to make this album work was didn't go back and hear her first album, which was more ska, mm-hmm. uh, reggae. Yeah. Which, to be honest with you, appeals more to me than the Euro pop. I'm going to give you Euro pop for a second. <laughs> um, I like reggae ska. You should go back and listen to that one then. I bet you she'd be good at that. It, 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 was, it, was, it was good. There, there was a big transformation between uh, one and two. She is the daughter of famous actor and producer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who either of those people were, but it said it in Wikipedia, which is true. Yeah. I mean, so she's married now to, is she? I don't know if she's married, but she's to, with the guy from uh, Stranger Things, the cop. I, I haven't seen that show. I don't know. But, More pop uh, culture references yeah. that I don't but, get. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't <laughs> expecting the highest praise from you on this one um, because. So for the record, Adelaide and Amy Winehouse two of my absolute favorite artists. I think mm-hmm. uh, deep songs, really writing. The fact that she was going for the Amy Winehouse vibe um, but you say, okay, it's so just they, tough. I mean, it's they were like, around the same time, both yeah, coming from the right. UK. and so, so one of the songs, so just, just as we go down this, this rabbit hole for a second, she describes the emptiness of her life. Mm-hmm. And I thought of the song because she was vulgar, much like Amy Winehouse was. She has, and Amy Winehouse has a, has a song called Fuck Me Pumps, mm-hmm. which has vulgarness in it. But yeah. it describes the sort of emptiness of that bar life cycle mm-hmm. uh, style, for, especially for a 30-year-old woman. Mm-hmm. And Amy Winehouse wrote a song that is graphic and deep and spot on and these were just not quite, it was just as graphic, trust me, mm-hmm. um, not as deep and, but, you know, spot on probably is unfair. That I, that criticism, I'm not going to hit, but just not not quite. And Amy Winehouse, for the record. Yeah. That's like saying, you're going to do soul music and I'm going to compare you to James Brown. Just not quite fair. It's <laughs> <laughs> just not, it's just tough. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. You know. But it was interesting. But right? I, but can you imagine me knowing every single word to all those songs and singing while I drive? Songs about being an empty thirty-year-old woman. Yeah. Hmm. Or you know, he treats me. He treats me with respect. He loves me all the time, a million times a day. I mean, just like yes, <laughs> right. It's not fair. Right. <laughs> like, it's not fair. It's funny, but just well, imagine that me. Song, that song um, was the song about, I really like him, but he's not very good in the sack. He, he's horrible in bed. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. He's this great guy, except for he's horrible in bed. Yep. Yep. All right. So that was our three picks for this month. Yep. So now we're to the listeners side. Yeah, and we're so gonna the, two we're going to do two. So the first one is actually coming from Nigel himself. So I'm excited. About Nigel, that. what are you giving us to uh, listen to and review for next week's show? So it's a uh, Graham central station. So this goes back to the, uh, uh, mid seventies, uh, probably 73, 74. I think this particular album was 1975, uh, big band. Larry Graham was the bass guitar player. It was his group, and the, the title of the album is Ain't No Bout, I Doubt It. 
Nice. And uh, the, the jam, so, you know, I really thought about this. I came up with two or three albums. Like, so what would they actually listen to? I didn't want to tell you to listen to the WAP. You know, <laughs> I know how much, Aaron loves I know that how, song. I know how much Mark likes that song. So I said, uh, <laughs> I do not. What is, what is it that they might jam to? You know, so I initially thought about Curtis Mayfield. Ooh. And the super the Superfly soundtrack, which was outstanding. Then I thought about Gladys Knight and the Pips. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of uh, good songs on there that mean something to Sarah and I. But uh, the first cut on this particular album is called The Jam. And I know you all like music and, you know, just some great beats. And it's just something that you can really jam to. It's about eight minutes long. Nice. Uh, but it's it's a it's a great song to smoke a stick, a stick to, and uh, it takes me back to the seventies with bell bottom pants and dashiki shirts and afros and <laughs> and uh, just living free and not worrying, having a good time. Back when life was good, yes, and simpler, and music was less complicated, just just good. Music that uh, you knew the words to and you could sing along. <laughs> I didn't have to Google what the hell it meant. <laughs> uh, you did, man. It comes on, it immediately takes you to a place. You know, I yeah. can put on Graham Central Station, I'll put on Curtis Mayfield, and I'll go back yeah. to a particular day on campus at this time, at that place, yeah. and, and all the memories come back. Graham Central Station. Ain't no doubt about it. Boom, got it right here. Cool. That's it. All That's right. it. Cool. Looking forward to that one. Going to jam out to that one. <laughs> no pun intended. It is not the web, but it is good. <laughs> I, I, I still, I still want Mark to watch the video. I've seen the video. <laughs> I've seen enough of the video. <laughs> you got to stick with it. Got to stick with it, Mark. No, I don't actually. Hey, man. That's your punishment for uh, sitting at the poker table and being on the sideline. So that's uh, <laughs> that's your timeout song. <laughs> yes. That would have made me rethink it. <laughs> I was telling that story the other day. Aren't you glad I didn't give you that album? The WAP yeah. album? Yeah. Do you know what album that's on? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> that is intentionally vulgar for the point of being vulgar. Yes, and it sells a lot. Yeah, but, that's fine. I mean, sex sales. Sex sales. Sex sales. And there's, you know, for the record, there's some stuff that, I mean, like, James Brown was sexy, but, like. Subtle. Subtle. Like, that's the yeah. point, right? You're supposed to, music's supposed to be about sex, but it's not like, you're not, like, supposed to describe it in detail. <laughs> and show it to you at the same time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't need to, t- I, I, yeah. I understand. It's supposed to you be. Do, you do not have to use your imagination. No, you do not. So the reason why we want to have you on this week was to do another segment of our leadership show. People who are making a difference. Um, people who you know strive to to get the world to a better place. Um, you know, you have a you know a. A, a great connection with everybody who is on the discord, you know, people really look up to you. You know, I know that like, you know, Charlie has given you and I, like we have to keep him accountable to make sure that he continues writing. And it's one right. of the things where we've said like, all right, every time we see you on the discord, we're going to ask you, you know, how it's going right. and stuff. But you know, you, 
you know, you fall into that role very easily. Um, and you know, it's just like, what, what is leadership to you? That is a good question. Uh, Aaron, it's, um, it's providing an example. Um, it's, you've heard the phrase before practice what you preach. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard someone that told me that in a different way recently say, preach what you practice. You know, practice what you preach suggests that you're saying something, so do what you say. Where preach what you practice suggests that you're doing what it is that you practice. Uh, so to me, it's it's just, it's being congruent. It's being aligned with what you believe in. Uh, it's having uh, integrity. And it's just providing an example, you know. I know one of the things that you all have mentioned that I'm involved in is Dale Carnegie. And I know I've been doing that for 28 years. And so I know having led classes over 28 years and hundreds of people and the number of people who know that I do that, I know that people are watching me to see if I do what it is I teach people in class. And I know that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that keeps me accountable because if I'm, teaching you human relations principles and how to get along with people and win friends. And I'm doing something completely different. Uh, that isn't leadership. That's just talk. So for me, it's, it's integrity. It's being authentic. Uh, it's having vision. Uh, it's connecting with people. Uh, it's helping to develop people and lead people, uh, to be better, uh, better sales. Yeah. How did you get into Dale Carnegie? Because you've talked about, you said 28 years of teaching the, the right. Dale Carnegie courses. How did you right. first get into the Dale Carnegie stuff? Dale Carnegie is one of those books that I, when somebody asked me, how do I improve myself as a professional or a man or a woman? That's one of the first books that I recommend, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the, um, Carnegie wrote the book. Um, he was teaching a course at the Y, uh, MCA at the time. You know, the course is over 102 years old now. And so he was just writing down these these principles. And uh, Aaron, I don't know if you've read the book or not, Mark, you have. It's common sense stuff. So it's, it's mm-hmm. nothing, there's nothing rocket scientist about it, right? You know, principle number five is smile. Uh, principle number nine is to be genuinely interested, make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. <laughs> right. Yeah. Principle, principle number one is don't criticize, condemn, or complain. <clears throat> it's just common sense uh, kinds of things. So back in 89, I was working at uh, the company that I mentioned earlier. I was going to work for a year and then leave and worked there for 36 years. Uh, uh, someone I knew, a colleague, and you would have to know him, Phil. Phil was uh, very smart, but he was arrogant, right? And you know how it is, um, if either one of you cut all of your hair off and someone sees you again, they'll know something's different, but they can't quite figure out what is it. Right. And then eventually you go, oh, you cut off all your hair. So Phil came into the lobby one day, and <clears throat> I just noticed something different about him. It, it was just a different feel. And I just asked him, so, Phil, you know, I noticed you changed. What's happening? So well, I'm taking a Dale Carnegie course. I'm like, well, damn, Dale Carnegie can do that for you. I need to check this out. 
I had read the book before, which is How to Win Friends and Influence People. So I was familiar with it. I decided to take the course. Uh, I took it. I loved it. For me, I have to put myself in a position that um, makes me do something. So, so many people might will take the course, get the certificate when they graduate, and then just put it up on the shelf and forget about what they've learned in the course, like in the training. So for me, when I finished the course, uh, a, a trainer has graduate coaches. And basically, a graduate coach just assists in the class. They give example talks. Uh, they take care of the paperwork in the back of the room. They call the people out who are going to be next. So for the next two years, I volunteered to be a graduate coach for every class that came up. So literally, when a class ended and another one was started, I'd raise my hand. And so that forced me to have to be in the environment, to continue to read the book. And at the end of that period of time, uh, they were looking for some additional trainers. And I raised my hand again. There were several of us uh, that uh, wanted to go through the process. And so to become a trainer, you have to have taken the course first. You have to be a graduate coach, uh, use a minimum of a year to two years. And then you go through this thing we call the conference, uh, which is a process of training and lab classes. You train during the day. You have a lab, a lab class that comes in at night. And it's, it was over three weekends at the time. And what most people don't know is that the Wednesday before the Friday that I was supposed to start, I quit. <laughs> and the reason I quit was I just, you know, I'm, I need to learn 30 human relations principles. I have an equal number of worry principles. You need to know how the room is going to be configured. And, you know, you're coaching people. So you're listening to people and you're giving them feedback based on their particular goal and vision to help them to get better. And all of a sudden, uh, I don't know that either of you have had this before. It's whether this monkey gets on your back and it grows up to a gorilla. Yep. And I kept thinking, I can't get all this done by Friday. And so I called my mentor, and basically I made an excuse, right? I, I knew I was making an excuse. But what I said was, a lot's going on right now. I'll do it at some other time. I wasn't going to do it at some other time. I didn't want to fail. And I couldn't see how I could get it done. And Liz Deal is her name. The first thing she said to me, and this goes back to the question you all ask about leadership. So this this would sort of capture leadership in a way. The first thing she said to me was, that's not an option. I'm like, well, damn, I'm <laughs> quitting. And you telling me it's not an option. I said, okay. And she said, do you want to do it? I said, yes. This is what you need to do. You don't need to know everything by Friday. So do this. Go in on Friday. You're going to get home about midnight. When you get home, get something to eat. Come back on Saturday. You need to know this much. You get home about midnight. <clears throat> go home and get something to eat. You're going to come back on Sunday. You need to know this much. And after Sunday, you don't come back to Friday. I said, okay. And I did exactly what she told me to do. And had she not told me, first of all, had she not told me it was a, it was not an option, <laughs> right. so she threw she threw down a challenge, which is principle twenty one, and then she told me what to do, and then I just did what she told me, and it worked out, you know. And so, yeah. once you get through that process, if you pass it, uh, you have to do what I call practice teaching. So you teach at least 
two classes with a certified trainer in the class. They don't teach it. They just observe you to make sure things are going right. Sure. And then once you finish that process, uh, you're eligible to lead your own classes. So it takes about a two-year period of time from taking a class, graduate coach, going through the conference, doing your first two tandems uh, before you can leave. And so that was the, the beginning was seeing someone who had changed taking the course having an interest in it and then kind of going through that process and I've been doing it ever since. That is, um, that's an incredibly rigorous process. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I'm I'm intrigued by that. I I do want to focus on that uh, moment of self doubt, which, um, is something that I was actually counseling one of my team members on, um, about six months ago. And I think is you and I are both older, right? And so Uh probably not providing wisdom there that we're both older. And, um, and so was, was counseling somebody who was younger and said, um, everybody that I've known who was ever any good at anything has that self doubt moment. Correct. Correct. And part of what figuring that out is realizing that we all go through it, right? Correct. And I didn't realize that for a long time. I thought I was the only one who had it. I thought everybody else had that figured out, right? And they all had their confidence wired. Um, and uh, it took me a while to figure that out. Um, and so when I hear you say, I have that that monkey, because I know I have one that's huge as well, still to this day. It'll occasionally right. whisper in my ear, I don't think you got this, right? Right. Um, and it's amazing how strong that voice can be at times. It is. You know, everyone, there's something that you would, and I think this is for everyone, and this is my opinion. There's something that you would be doing that if you had more confidence, you would do it. Yep. Whether you have a lot of confidence or not, there's something that you aren't doing that if you were more confident, you would. And, Aaron, I think you can identify with this and just what you brought up earlier concerning Charlie. The issue really was just confidence. Mm-hmm. And it was a perception of what others might think of what it is that I might put on paper. And therefore, he was reluctant to take the step. Now, the, the part of the leadership part of it, and Aaron and I having a conversation, is just encouraging the person. Yep. You don't write the book in the first chapter. You just write the first, write the first paragraph. Yeah. Right. Uh, write the next paragraph. Uh, when you get finished with that page, send it to me, which he did. You know, did a little editing. I sent it back to him. And now I'm asking, so Charlie, when am I going to get the next one? You know, it's just it's that encouragement. And once, as you all know, uh, if you're encouraged and you take that step, you continue to gain the confidence. Yeah. And you get better at it. It's I, I liken it to driving a car. You know, driving a car is constant change. You have to make adjustments, right? You have to move the wheel, the spirit, to stay in the lane. If you don't, you'll go off of the road. So it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's getting feedback, making adjustments, and you keep going forward. You know, whenever I speak, I always ask for feedback, right? I get the feedback, I listen to it, I make adjustments. Next time I go out, I think about the feedback I receive, and then I ask for feedback again. And I take that feedback and I make adjustments and then you keep going. Yeah. It's, 
it's a process that you just have to trust the process. And that's a hard thing for some people to do. Yeah. I popped on late to the herf where you guys were talking to Charlie. Um, and I know it was, um, interesting to see you working with Charlie about sort of setting goals and, and doing that. Cause at the end I came in and didn't say anything. You opened it up and say, could you, the rest of you encourage Charlie? And I, we all did, right? Because we all mm-hmm. love Charlie, and, and he's one of mm-hmm. our our guys, right? Yeah. I, he's right. one of my um, people, and I, I just I love Charlie. So, but at the end, and and that's what I said. I didn't say anything but that. But he, uh, uh, it was fun to watch. It was interesting, fun to watch you work with him about setting goals and moving it forward. Um, sort of just. It was interesting to watch you work with him on that and him getting his mind around that. So, right. Cause we were actually in St. Louis that weekend. So we popped in at the very end of that uh-huh. just to see that. And it was like, it was yeah. like watching a masterclass. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, it was nice. I, I enjoyed, you know, sitting with him and, you know, you and I, we kind of fed off each other because you could see a little bit of that. And I just told him like, you're not going to please everybody. Just like I told, mm-hmm. I, I think I even told him like with our show, not everybody's going to enjoy the show. And I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. You know, it's, there's going to be somebody out there that really wants to either listen to this or get it or, you know, put it into his perspective. There's somebody out there that was, that is really going to enjoy what you write. But uh-huh. if you don't write at all, you know there's no there. You know no there's not going to be anybody. Right. To, well, I've to heard that. I've heard Charlie's story. Obviously, I think you guys heard it that night. Mm-hmm. I've heard Charlie's story. I've heard yeah. big chunks of it. Not all. Of it. I think he told it in more detail that night. Um, Charlie's story is powerful. It's, yeah, um, it really is. It and is. That's someone he's a remarkable human being, and I know that he doesn't like when people tell him that. Mm-hmm. Right. I see a remarkable human being. Yeah. I see somebody who I admire. Yeah. Um, he's, his story is powerful and I, I just yeah. think he needs to start writing. I mean, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where I, I like the, the imagery of you have a giant hill, but you have a boulder that's on top. That's been staying there forever. You just give it a slight nudge. Yeah. That's going all the way down the whole momentum that, but all it needs first is just that tiny little, just That's that right. tiny little push and then everything else. I mean, then that boulder takes care of everything else because it's, it's on its own, it's moving. but it just needed that first initial oomph right. to get going. Yeah. And I think you see that in him now because there's more acceptance based on, he apparently is around folk who don't value him. Right. They think that he's broken and he has consumed that perception. And now he's around a different group of folk who are giving him different type of feedback and he right. feels accepted. And as you know, when you feel accepted and you feel like someone cares, yeah. uh, you'll take another step yeah. and you'll get, and you know, it's okay. You know, the first time I spoke, uh, which was a long time ago, I made the, I made the mistake of telling my pastor I wanted to be a motivational speaker. All right. I was in Amway, you know, you had to read these books and listen to these tapes and I found that I really liked that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what conversation it was, but I, I shared that with him. And um, 
one weekend, he called me and said, well, I'm, I'm going on vacation next week. You're going to speak Sunday morning. <laughs> and that monkey was back on my shoulder again. Right. right. You know, it was my home church. I grew up there. My parents went there. Their parents went there. My great-grandfather and grandmother attended there. So the people knew me. I mean, you know, they knew me. They knew my parents when they were kids. Yeah. The, and, but I was afraid that what am I going to say? Yeah. Am I going to make a fool of myself? Do I know what I'm talking about? I mean, all of this stuff was going through my mind. I have no idea what I said that day. <laughs> what I remember is people love me anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And they told me I did a good job. Right. And that was, that was enough to do it again. You know, it's like, if you want to swim at some point, you have to get in the water. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can't do it without getting in the water. So if you want to speak, or you want to write, you know, as Aaron shared some tips with him that night about uh, just writing. As a friend shared with me, he said, first of all, you don't write for anybody, anyone but yourself. Yep. Yeah, that's Doesn't matter. Some people like it, some people won't like it. Yeah. And that's okay. So, do you do you still teach the uh, Dale Carnegie courses? I do. Uh, usually two to three times a year. Um, we haven't done anything in person since COVID, so it's been February uh, since we've had an in-person class, so everything has pretty much moved to digital now, so we try to replicate what happens in the classroom uh, online, but uh, yes, still do it. Okay. So what is, um, I mean, for you, um, what's the, I mean, when you teach, what is the, I I guess what's the, I was going to ask, what's the most surprising lesson you've learned in teaching the course or what's the, I guess, what's the most surprising lesson or what do you, what, I guess I'm going to go with that question. So probably the most surprising thing. So let me, let me, let me say this to try to answer that question. What I tell people at the end of the course. So the first thing is when we start the course in session one, for example, Session one is a lot of me talking because it's just explaining to you what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, what the process is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Most of the folk in the class don't know me. They've never met me before. They might have heard something about me because someone at their company has gone through the course, but they don't know me uh, from anyone else. And what I tell them that first night is, is if just trust me and the process, right? And if you do what I ask you to do, if you read the assignments, and if you, uh, you you actually live the course, you don't take it. So it's not a course where you're just taking notes and you have this homework. It is you're writing a vision, you're setting some goals in five key areas uh, that you want to uh, get better in. Uh, we make assignments, and you have to go out and live it within the next week. And when you come back, you have a talk one or two in each session. And during that talk, the trainer is now listening to you and now I'm giving you feedback or coaching you to get better. Just like any coach. You know, hold the bat this way. Or when you make your move through this particular thing, now try it again. And then you give feedback, what we call bullseye feedback, uh, so the person can relate to what they've done and what they've done well. And we always look for the positive in everything, whether or not they do it well or not. Uh, because positive reinforcement has a way of getting more of that versus 
saying take your hands. I don't. I wouldn't tell someone, for example, take your hands out of your pocket and stop doing your change. My responsibility is to get you to talking on the right thing, and your hands will automatically come out of your pocket. Right. So in session one, it really is just trust me, do what we ask you to do, live the course, come in, allow us to coach you. And in session eight, you're going to be at a further place than you are right now. Just trust me. Now, in session eight, one of the things I will tell the folks is this, is that everything you needed to be successful you had when you came in the course. (laughs) It's not anything that I did. All I did was help you to uncover who you really are and equipped you with some tools to make you better. But you already had it when you came into class, right? Nothing new happened. It's just the process. So the, the... more specifically to your to your question, it is really just being you. That's that's probably the key learning. Just just be Mark. Right. Right? Just be Aaron. That's all you have to do. You don't have to you can be impressive without trying to be impressive. That's if you just if you just be you and just do you and use these tools, the rest of it will take care of itself. And so that's probably been the the key learning for from me, for me, uh, having done this for a long period of time, and just the reinforcement. Uh, there's one thing about being a trainer. If either of you have uh, ever trained someone, there's an aspect in training that you can see when a person gets it when they don't know they've gotten it. And it's something about seeing that that is just gratifying. You know, I, I can tell you on in a particular session, uh, I can tell you that a person got it in session two, and I saw the light bulb go off in his head, and he didn't know it. Yeah. And so it's something satisfying about that that process. How much has the course changed over twenty years? Twenty eight years has it changed a lot, or is it pretty much the same course that it was? I mean, you're talking about a hundred year old principle, right? Or 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 you yeah. know, principles principles. Yeah. The principles are the same as they were 102 years ago. Uh, what's what's changed is just tapping into um, the company has evolved in terms of understanding just the dynamics of human relations and people and tapping into the emotion and what that means and how do you connect that to what they want to accomplish and having breakthroughs and things of that nature. But the process is, is pretty much still the same. I mean, it's it's the same book, it's the same principles. <clears throat> you're living it. You come in, you give a talk, you get feedback. Someone coaches you, and you continue to grow. So it's it's not significant in terms of change, even though some of the process of how we do it and, and connecting with people has changed slightly. Yeah. Now we I've noticed that you've you know you've given some literature to guys on the herfs and everything like that. Is there any literature that stands out to you that uh you gravitate towards, you know, in this role? Well, as I mentioned, I, I was in Amway back in the early 70s uh, because some friends were involved in it and part of, of being in sales uh, and I'm sure both of you know this is that you have to be able to face the no when it comes. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have something on the inside, when you reach the no, you will stop. And so the stuff that you have on the inside is what you continue to feed yourself. And that's positive 
inspirational, motivational material. And so what I found that I, that I loved while I was a part of Amway, I didn't really do anything with it. It was the people were always excited. They had a lot of enthusiasm. They were reading all the time. And they kept drawing circles. You know, for every 100 um, sales calls you go on, uh, you're close four. It might be the first four, or it could be the last four. I mean, it's just the law. Of pro- it's the law of probability, right? Mark, you the statistician, right? <laughs> you're going to close four out of a hundred. You just don't know which four. Yeah. And so you have to have something on the inside to draw from that will continue to get you up to take that next step to go back and do it again. So for me, it's it's motivational, inspirational works. Um, that move me. It touches a particular place. And so that's why I share a lot of those things. You know, I, I think I posted something a couple of days ago about the LCC book club. Uh, I give books away all the time. I mean, that's just who I am. I've been doing that for 40 years. Now I've adopted a small Christian school here with 20 students and we started a book club five years ago. And so every month of the school year, uh, I buy them their book of choice. Uh, each month and take the book to them and nice. it's just been transformational so motivational inspirational works books um kind of is where my niche is and that's what gets me excited and uh, i like to share it with other folk and i've purchased uh, i think last week we were talking about something and i mentioned a book and i just decided uh, you know anyone that wants this particular book i'll buy it for you and Nine people did, and it was about three o'clock in the morning. And unfortunately, I ordered two books for two people, so two two folk on that group. <laughs> Instead of ordering nine books, I ordered eleven. <laughs> okay, doubled up. Yeah. More of more of that story is don't order books at three o'clock in the morning right. on a hearse. Right. It's, there's a rule there. <laughs> don't buy cigars late at night. Don't buy books at late at night. <laughs> exactly. I'd be okay with cigars late at night. <laughs> I can smoke two cigars. Yeah. I yeah. noticed the second reading of a different book with the, with the same title tends to be the same yeah book. i can't tell you how many times i bought the same book twice i, have, I do that all the time Ugh. especially <laughs> i get excited about i'm i'm like nigel i love motivational books mm-hmm. so one of the <laughs> people go oh you should so the one reason that i only buy written books through amazon and i only are you know printed books and yeah. i only get audio books through audible and everybody goes those are expensive places to do. yeah i know but when I bought it, it yeah. tells me, "Yeah, you have this book. Go <laughs> look your, for it. It's in your library somewhere. <laughs> right? Go look for it. You've already bought this book." And that's I'm going now. Oh, see, that saved me ten bucks. See, we were packing up just la- like last week or whatever, and I come into Mo and I show her three of the same books. I'm like, "Look at this shit." It's yeah. like I've bought this book three <laughs> times, not knowing. Have you read it yet? I see. And what's funny because you can re, you can tell the one that I've read because the spine is broke. Yeah, or stuff is written in on it. And then like the other one is like kind of look like it's been read. And then I like probably found that. Yeah. Oh, I found the other one, but then the other one was like brand new. I was like, well, I just need to donate all like yeah. a few of these. Yeah. Nigel and I were actually comparing books. We we actually Caleb was on. We were comparing books, and we actually share a common thread of a book that we both love that we don't necessarily agree with the author's political views. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We both like Ayn Rand's and I always forget her big Atlas Shrugs. Atlas Shrugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then everybody always goes, are you big an Ayn Rand fan? No, but I love that book. I haven't heard that one. You really? It's mm. about 10 billion pages. Really? Yep. <laughs> but it's a great book. Yep. I love it. 
I'll check that one. It's twelve. It's twelve hundred pages, oh. and I would, I would guarantee you, Aaron. So when I first read that book, uh, someone that I work with at Intergon at the time, a young man was reading it, and I asked, <coughs> excuse me, I asked him about it. He said, uh, "When I finish it, I give it to you." I said, "No, you don't need to give it to me because I'm not reading that. I mean, that's twelve hundred pages. I just." That's not me. When he finished it, he gave it to me. I read the first chapter, and I could not put the book down. Literally. Now, I'm going to say this, and I don't encourage anyone to do this. So Sarah and I have been together for a long time, which you all know. Uh, 50 years now. We've been married 43. And the first three years of our marriage, we lived apart because she worked in South Carolina and I worked here. And on Friday, I would hit the road to go to Greenville. I would have the book on the steering column like this going down the road. <laughs> because I wanted to find out who the hell is John Galt. Yeah, yeah. I have to figure out who, I mean, it's like a soap opera. You get to the end of a chapter, you go, I got to find out who this person is. Yeah. But it's just a fascinating book. It is really fascinating. She's, um, she's a political light, but the book is fantastic. Yes. Yes. And that's why I will wear. I will wear the next. I have the John Galt twenty uh, twenty shirt, and half the people who go, I don't get it, which I get. They haven't read the book. Yeah. And then <laughs> a quarter of the people will go, yeah, and then a quarter of the people will try to try to take a swing at me. Um, and then they ask you a question. I've mentioned before. You know, my favorite book is Anne Rand. I go, why do you like that? I like the book. Right. It's nothing about her. It's a great book. Yeah. I've had people try to debate her life with me, and I'm going, it's a book. I'm not debating political philosophies, um, but it's a really good book. It's a And it's a good, good message in the book. Yeah. Yeah. It's about hard work and a lot of things you would appreciate. Mm-hmm. So um, I know you do motivational speaking aside from the uh, – from the Dale Carnegie stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, how long have you done that? Uh, that's probably been about 40 years, maybe. Ever since my pastor told me that I was going to speak that Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> so you enjoy and, that? Uh, beg your pardon? You enjoy doing that, obviously? I do enjoy doing it. You know, it's... it's. Um, I think our purpose is is to find out what our purpose is and do that. Right. And once you find, you know, pastors or preachers will call it a calling in a spiritual sense. And I think I believe there's a high power and and it's up to each one of us to find out what that calling is and do that particular thing. And so that falls in uh, who I am, uh, what I like to do, where my interests are, uh, motivating people, inspiring people. You know, I have a tagline. um says encouraging people to succeed inspiring them to act that's part of what i do so whether that is writing a column uh speaking to a group of people uh leading dale carnegie course or just in general that's that's the essence of who i am so it's it's uh and then it it depends on you know who calls why do they want you to speak what is it they want you to talk about there have been situations where someone has called asked me to speak and you know, uh, I don't speak on financial issues, so 
if that's what you're looking for, I know someone who can do that well. I suggest you call Danny. Right. Uh, that doesn't fit. So it's, you know, if it fits, it makes sense. Um, and I know that you all know this, and Aaron as well, he writes and so forth. So with the exception of when he's bragging and telling the the, the team to uh, break the record and then telling people about it after the game. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I'm going to bring my rings next month when I come back. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, just, it's, it's who I am and what I do, and yeah. that's why it's, it's easier for – uh, me to do it uh, because it's for me that's what my purpose is and it just it fits that's awesome I know one of the things that it, you know you and I have talked a lot about it a lot of different things you're one of those positive people who is always upbeat always encouraging people to um, just always encouraging people and I, I think those I, I personally Mark's philosophy just for a second, and I know, um, but just wanted to, 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 to say this. Nigel's one of those. I think there's two types of people in the world. There's those who give you energy and those who take it away. Mm-hmm. Nigel is uh-huh. one of those people every time I see him who is giving me energy. I'm happy to see Nigel. Obviously, I know I'm going to have a good conversation and fun, but he's always such uh, a positive influence in the people's lives that are on the hearth that – I think one of the things that I wish more people did was focus on being that positive energy source for those around. I think if all of us did that, one of the things that I try to do and not always successful is to be that way, right? Mm -hmm. When Mm -hmm. you can be that positive influence in the room, the room's a little bit better, right? Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the books that I've, mentioned to the group that I ended up buying this book by Susan Scott, Fierce Conversations. And what she talks about in the book is that one conversation can change a life, a career, a family. Not every conversation will, but one conversation can. And so a fierce conversation is one in which you enter into and you emerge slightly different than when you went into it. You should be a changed person uh, as a result of that conversation uh, that you're having with people. And to your point, Mark, if I agree wholeheartedly. If more of us did that, things would be much better than what they are. And my wife has a saying, first, if she were here now as a part of this conversation, she'd say, oh, he all right. You know, I heard that <laughs> stuff before. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she, she's not going to give me a whole lot of love. But one of the questions she always asks, and I do it sometimes on the herp, is are you bragging or complaining? <laughs> right <laughs> exactly had a hard day are you bragging yeah. or complaining yeah a little both a little both <laughs> no but you have a you have a natural mentorship that a lot of people see through the discord herf um you know there's a there's a lot of younger guys on there and they just naturally are drawn to what you know you have to say but more in the actions of what you do um, and it's just, and it's really encouraging for, you know, people in my generation, um, to see that, to see that we can, um, you know, co in line with somebody who is, you know, not of my age group, but we share a same passion, but that, right. uh, that, you know, evolves into something even more. Um, right. so it's, it's, it's really, I, I love seeing that because, you know, a, 
a, a lot of people really do, you know, they take heed in what you say. And it's one of those things where you're not a self-glosser, like how we talked about with B last week, you know? So we'll self, we'll self-gloss for you. And so it's just, it is, it's super encouraging to see, um, you know, just in the, the way you do speak and the way you do act and people really take heed to that. And they, you know, if we could be half as good as you sometimes, you know, it'd be a, a lot fucking better place than where it is, you know? You know, I think we have a, um, I'll share a story with you if you want to hear it. Please do. Um, I think we have a responsibility to do that. Uh, and, and part of that is just how I've been reared and I've had good people in my life. And um, um, I don't know about you all or how your listeners may react to this phrase, but everyone needs to have some booger-nosed friends, right? <laughs> uh, I have four. Uh, there were one of them is now deceased, so there are two, and my wife. Those are my booger-nosed friend. A booger-nosed friend is a person that would look and see the booger in your nose and would tell you. Right. <laughs> right. right? There's some people that will see a booger in your nose and won't say anything, and then they go over here like, "Yeah, did you see that booger in Mark's nose?" <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> and they'll talk about you, and you know. So my, what I know about my booger nose friends: one is a professor at the University of Louisville, uh, the other one is in Greensboro, about thirty miles away from me, and then my wife is my best friend. What I know about them is this: is I can call them at any time about anything, problem. It doesn't matter what it is too is I know they would tell me the truth. Yeah. Yeah. They, don't, they don't care whether it hurts my feelings or not. Right. I can be in my feelings and they could care less. And they will hold me accountable and follow up yep. to make sure I do what I said or what I'm supposed to do. Right? And you need some of those people in your, in your life. And I've had <clears throat> the good fortune of having some folk like that in my life. And so for me, it's incumbent upon me to do the same thing. I always say, a good friend of mine who also was a speaker and executive used to say that we drink from a well that we didn't dig. So someone paved the way for you, and you're drinking out of that well, so it's your responsibility to make sure there's water in there for the next person. When I went to, and Mark, you may have heard this, but I was a decent athlete in in high school. I played football and basketball. I was uh, a captain of both teams. I was a superlative, most athletic. I was recruited for the University of Tennessee, went up, made my visit, loved it. Uh, Came back, I was ready to sign. My parents said, well, you know, hold out and see what else you get. Uh, I decided that's where I wanted to go when I made up my mind. Uh, The then head coach had left. They had a new coach and I wasn't on the radar. So one day in the spring of 1970, my uh, senior year, I received in the mail a fully paid four-year scholarship to play football at Livingstone College. They never saw me play. There was no letter or anything in the envelope, but just four pages of a scholarship contract. Two of my high school friends that I played football with were already going there, so the three of us went. I went to school. Whenever I would come home from school, my guidance counselor, who's now deceased, a couple of years ago, knew everything that was going on with me. She knew my grades. She knew who my girlfriend was. <laughs> she knew what I was involved in. I knew not to ask her how she knew, but I knew that she knew because she knew too much. 
So fast forward 32 years. 32 years later, I'm invited to my school to be the convocation speaker, Founders Day. That's a big deal, right? Now I'm going back to Livingstone College, and I'm going to be the Founders Day speaker. A few days after that, I get a letter in the mail that says I'm getting an honorary doctor of humane letters the same day that I'm speaking. Two other people from Winston-Salem that I know very well, both of whom are deceased now, were also getting an honorary doctor of humane letters on the same day. So I called Miss Bernie because I knew she's proud of me. We always talk. She kept up with me. She read my columns in the paper. And I called her up to let her know this good news. And when I called her, she said, I know. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know? Well, I told them if they're going to get someone to honor a doctor, they better give you one. I'm not going to give them any more money. <laughs> I'm like, damn. Okay. It's good well, in that, in that conversation, I found out how I ended up at Livingstone. Didn't know it at all. The reason she knew everything I was doing is that her sister worked at Livingstone and she had her eyes on me all the time. When I didn't uh, get the scholarship at the University of Tennessee, she didn't think the coaches were looking out for me. And her sister was married to an Amazon uh, bishop and Livingstone College is an Amazon supported school. So she called her sister told her sister to tell her husband that I was a good boy and he needed to get me in school. Wow. So her brother-in-law called the head football coach. The head football coach called my school and had them to send a film. He looked at the film and they sent me a scholarship. Four years, fully paid. Wow. I found that out 32 years after it happened. And I was on the phone and I was, I was blown away. And literally... I told her, I said, Miss Bernie, if you tell me today that you're my real mother, I would have to believe you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because you're telling me stuff right now that it's just blowing my mind. Right. You know, and so my point with that is, is that there are people, I think that's our responsibility. She never said anything about it. And she would likely would not have told me then had that not happened. And I called her to tell her about that. And so, to me, that that means we have a responsibility to do the same thing for others. Well, that's a kind word. You know, there are 10 or, 10 or so people on Discord that I just sent a note to to say I appreciate you. And here's the reason why. And this is what I think. Yeah. Don't ask for more. Just leave it at that. Yeah. You have uh, you've sent me one of those notes, and, uh, and I, and well, those... Those notes mean more than you could ever imagine to those who receive them, right? That encouragement, um, the, it's powerful. And that story is amazing. I mean, if you think about what um, what she did, um, it's those people who've looked out for us, and that is a, that's a powerful story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does reflect that we need to do the same, right? Right, that exactly. Is, um, People reached down and grabbed us and we need to do the same. Um, yeah, you, you, <clears throat> there was a gentleman on, on the discord cause I did do research. Somebody said <laughs> you were a big deal. And so I, of course I'm nosy. And somebody <laughs> says somebody's a big deal. And I looked up, you were a big deal. 
you were you were an athlete. You were the big D, and you were. Um, and so I, I looked it up. Um, and uh, but um, the things you've done since have been way more impressive. I mean, the athletic stuff uh, is impressive. I'm not saying that, but right, the right. stuff you've done since I. It's like what I said to Gary. Uh, who who played for the Raiders and the the lowly Chiefs and all that stuff played in the <laughs> NFL, but came out of uh, um, came out of um, you know a pretty rough neighborhood. Got himself a college education in a historically black black college, but <clears throat> got himself a PhD and is now doing some really remarkable stuff in education. I said, as as impressive as I am, as impressed as I am to sit here and talk to an ex NFL player, I'm way more impressed to sit here and talk to somebody who's got a PhD mm-hmm. and has gone through all you have because mm-hmm. that stuff's more impressive. I'll just be honest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, me. just, it's just the same thing when we had, you know, Dr. Chris on here yep. a couple months ago. It's just, it's, it, it, it's just, that stuff resonates. It's amazing. Just hearing the story, everything that they, that they talk about. It just, it's going to resonate with, with a lot of people out there and, and a lot of people are going to take heed and, yep. you know, and it's going to motivate, you know, people who didn't think they were going to get anything out of it. And it just yeah. it helps. I love that story. I'm, uh, uh, that story is amazing. Uh, to think of her making that call on your behalf just because uh-huh. she thought you weren't being treated right. And, uh, <laughs> and then think about how th- everything worked out. Well, I, yeah. well, and to not say anything for 32 years, because a lot of times, you know, people would we, let we, you know, well, we live in a, we live in a world where self gratification yeah. is, right. is, is, is top. That tells you that's not the reason she did that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, right. and, and, and I love what you, I, I wrote down what you said, actually, the, uh, we drink from a well, we didn't dig. Yeah. I mean, I, right. I wrote it down on, on my, on my timesheet right here. And that's just like, that's powerful. Yeah. That's yeah. That, that, like, I've never heard that phrase before, and yeah. that's what resonated. I think, I think about your comment about Sarah, about how she's kind of totally unimpressed, right? <laughs> and Paula, and I, I think of Paula, who is, and she is the same way with me. Mm-hmm. She, people will be uh, self, I will be self-glossing with me, mm-hmm. or someone will be telling me how smart I am, or something will happen at work, <laughs> and I will be impressed with something that happened. Mm-hmm. And she right. could not be more unimpressed. Yeah, exactly. Because I am. First of all, she expects a lot out of me. I assume. Yeah. I assume yeah. that's part of it. But she is just totally unimpressed with that, and she yeah. reminds me that, um, that yeah, okay, fine, that's nice. Isn't that there nice? Isn't that cute? All yeah, you do. Yeah. And she just, you know, boop, resets me yeah. back to normal. And yeah, uh, yeah, they have a way of uh, uh, making you humble, you know. They do. I wouldn't Sarah, do it for anything. Sarah has a couple of rules, one of which is, um, particularly when I'm speaking out somewhere, and specifically if it's in a church sometime, um, depending on the subject matter, and, and specifically when I tell that story, I usually become emotional. Because I think about Miss Bernie, and it just starts to happen. Yeah, sure. How could it not? What happens? What happens for me when it begins to happen is I can't talk. I literally have to just stop until it passes over. So one of her roles is she knows when that's about to happen, and she starts to come up with some tissue. And then I'm mad because I'm like, all these people are looking at me, and my wife is on the way up here with some <laughs> tissue because I'm about to cry, right? <laughs> 
So Miss Bernie, the counselor that I told you about, she died a couple of years ago, and I never met her daughter, and um, she had already planned a funeral out. And her daughter called me and said, um, you know, Mama told me that she wanted you to speak at the funeral. Wow. This is what she wants you to do. She wants you to tell the story and don't cry. I'm like, damn. <laughs> and I was okay up to a certain point. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going to cry. Yeah. You know, I'm calm. Uh, there was one or two other students who also were speaking. And their son is a mu- musician. He plays the cello. And he gets up and he plays a song. I'm like, oh, hell, it's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it's, just, yeah. it's like that song. And, and when I got up, I said just what I said to you all. I said, well, this is what Miss Bernie told me to do. She told me to tell the story and don't cry. So I start telling the story, and then it begins to happen. And out of the corner of my eye, I see Sarah on her way up. And I'm up here now going, oh, hell. <laughs> you know, and now the church is praying for me. I'm supposed to be telling the story, and everybody's praying for me while I'm yeah. trying to hold it. You know, I'm looking up at the ceiling, trying not to have tears to come out of my eyes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I love it whenever we're on the hearth and everything, and Sarah makes her makes her way into the hearth every once in a while. It's just a, that's a nice little highlight. It is. It is. That is uh, that's an amazing story. That is the example of the powerful people. We always think of, we talk about powerful people in these important positions. And that is, um, that's fine. There are powerful people, but you talk about somebody in a position. I don't want to say that it's an ordinary position, but it is in a, not the, you know, a Senator or something like that, who is truly impacting lives and in a story like that, which is an amazing story, um, it just reminds us that we all have the gift to impact exactly. people's lives. That's 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 a powerful story. I just I'm moved by that. I'm I'm not gonna lie. That is uh, yeah. as we and sit in front is, of you, moved by you. We think yeah. of without her, you know. Right. Yeah. And the thing about it is that each one of us does it every day. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes knowingly and other times not right. because we plant things on people with every interaction that we have. And you have no idea something you might have said and what impact it had on a person. Yep. They may not have told you that, you know, the person might've just sat back on the hearth and just listened yep. yeah. and went off and processed. And you may or may not find out at some point in time later yep. that you said this thing and I've had that kind of impact. And so words matter. Uh, how, going back to your earlier question about leadership, it matters, the example that you set, because someone is watching all of us all the time, and they're listening. A, a couple of days ago, a good friend of mine from a colleague who we worked together about 20 years ago called, and someone called her and said, do you know Nigel? And she's thinking, so how do you know him? Well, he wrote this column some time ago, I can't remember it, and I'm I'm dealing with this issue with some young girls, and I remember the column, and it was about X, and I'm wondering if you can reach out to him to see if he could find it. And I remember the column, right? Now, I didn't write the column for her. It was, the column was about, you all may be familiar with Les Brown, who's a motivational yep. speaker from uh, Miami, Florida, and he always talks about that he's Mamie, Mamie Brown's baby boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he, he talked about um, there's a little green van 
riding around in people's neighborhoods and there are toxic people in there. And those toxic people will drain stuff out of you. And what you have to do is you have to feed them with a long handle spoon. Right. <laughs> you can't you can't get too close to them and you can't have those people in your front row. So you have to be careful about the people in your front row. <clears throat> right. So that was, you know, I found the article because I recalled the story. I wrote that 12 years ago. And so here's someone 12 years later calling someone I know to call me to ask me if I can find a column because she remembered that story to share with some young girls to try to set boundaries. And the point of that is you never know what you say or how you do it has an impact on someone or how it moves them in a particular way. Uh, which uh, should remind us that we ought to, going back to your point, Mark, uh, carry that positivity and, and deposit it. Yep. Yeah. Do I get it right all the time? No, some days I want to take the three by four out and whack somebody upside <laughs> the head, but <laughs> I try not to do that often. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, we all get, the temptation is there, right? And, uh, but, uh, you know, that there's, corporate speak and I always try to avoid that but one of the things my corporation talks about is the your mood elevator or your positivity factor and if you're feeling frustrated just move it up a little bit just yeah. be a little more positive like just right. try to work on being a little bit more upbeat or a little more positive in your interactions yeah. right um, and I always <clears throat> a lot of that corporate stuff I just like whatever but I thought that one was a good description of just being a little more positive in your daily interactions. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you do that, if you keep working on that, eventually you find yourself very, a lot more positive because you're right. continuing to work on it. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, it is amazing when you're positive, how much I had a boss 10 years ago say to me, cause I led teams for a long time says, you know, when you're, when you're in a good mood and when you're positive, yeah. this team really clicks. And when you're yeah. frustrated, they don't. Yeah. And yeah. They take, they look at you all the time. And I said, you yeah. gotta be kidding me. But you, then you start, you, you yeah. lift your eyes and you watch. Yeah. And one right. of the things I realized was he's a hundred percent right. They look at you all the time. Yeah. Well, there's, I saw a video just uh, the other day and it was a guy who challenged himself because he said he's not a morning person but he was going on his walk into work. He was going to film himself saying good morning to the first person he passed by. So he started the first day he did it. It was very mundane, like good morning, whatever. But like you saw the, the progression every day and it became more a beat. And then like at around like day 20, he was like, yo, good morning. And like, you yeah. could see just like, he was like, that was the turning point where yeah. it was more than just saying it. It was actually, he actually was, you know, putting it out there like, good morning. I'm happy I mean, to see yeah, you. he was, I mean, it just, I mean, you, you just, it's kind of like what I've said a, a while ago, um, a couple, I mean, 20, 30 shows ago or so, like, you know, I'm a big believer in put that shit out there in the universe. Whatever you yep. say, speak yep. it, it will become like, I, I put Mo between the guardrail and me, like you might be embarrassed. I don't get embarrassed, but just speak it. If you don't yeah. say it, I mean, you, you can't ball it in. So just say it and then, you know, do that. But you got to say it first. And so just watching that video of of something so small and mundane of saying good morning. And then just, you know, by day 30, he was like, 
good morning. I mean, just like actually work on that. I mean, actually meant it and not just saying it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. This is a good one. This is a good one. You're not smoking that cigar hardly at all. I know. I've, and it's a really good cigar too. I just, yeah, you, <laughs> you've, you've nubbed the thing, you know, as, as Nigel, you would say, this is nub worthy. Mm-hmm. Whenever, I, whenever you put like, this is nub worthy. I'm always looking to see like, what cigar was that? Because right. his taste is Quorum like Maduro. <laughs> <laughs> so my sister who I, who I, I talked about a couple episodes ago when we talked to art, art, uh-huh. who is one of my closest people. And I, um, who is one of my uh, booger people? Yeah, uh, to, <laughs> booger nose, booger nose people, uh-huh. and uh, um, she sends me cigars every quarter, mm-hmm. and there it's just a, a club, and and I got a quorum this this really? quarter, um, but every time I get them, uh, I'm touched by that because my sister bought me cigars. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, I call her and think of her, and and my sister is awesome. So. She's absolutely one of the greatest people I know, but, um, she, uh, but I got a quorum. So I'm going to, uh, on one of the herbs coming up, I'm going to smoke a quorum and I'm going to smoke it all the way to the nub. Awesome. You're going to enjoy every bit of it. Oh, it is. Yeah. Cause it's going to come from, it's going to uh, be the best fucking quorum you ever had. Came from my sister <laughs> who I, I could not love more. Yeah. So, so Nigel, you've been on one of our, uh, zoom herfs that we did with some of our listeners and everything. So you got a little touch of mm-hmm. how we end our shows. But now you're actually going to be involved in a show of how we end the so million. Finally, somebody who's reasonable <laughs> to support me. <laughs> a million dollars. But we're changing it up this week. So this million dollars buck question actually came from a listener. So this one came from Mark. I don't know if this scares me. Came so, from who? So it came from Mark Bush. Oh, cool. So like Mark. So this one came from him. And he sent it to me, this little video. I'm like, he was like, million dollars, but I was like, dude, that's awesome. I'm, I'll use that for a show coming up. Okay. So it has like a little sketch show to it, but I'm using what happened in the form of. Nice. So <clears throat> this week is million dollars. But one time a week, you have to take a shit in front of a stranger. <laughs> Um, I'm not particularly shy. No. Um, wow. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to have to say no. I thought I could say is, yes, but no. The question is for a million dollars, who would you do that? Or would you do it? Yes. Yeah. But so you have to do it once a week. Oh, once a week. Yeah. Damn. A different stranger or the same stranger that was I mean, a stranger at the I'm beginning? I'm going to assume that, like, once you do it, one per one, I mean, if you're you not do a it, stranger anymore. Yeah, you're not a stranger anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different type of intimacy that uh, not very many people are on. <sighs> I don't know. I, my, my, first, my first response was yes, because there was a situation that occurred someone just called me a few moments ago and it's this particular person. So he's like a son to me. He's 40 years old and we're like family now. And, uh, we tell each other, you know, this is like being in a game. You can't get out now. Uh-huh. You know, you're in too deep. <laughs> and so I was in the bathroom one day and, uh, you know, you have to take your reading material in, take the phone in, check this door, do all that important stuff. Uh-huh. 
and the phone rang and it happened to be him. And I answered. And at some point I must have FaceTimed. He's like <laughs> And so he knew. That was a great said, You in the bathroom? I said, Yeah. Said, well I guess you're in too deep now, right? I said, I guess so. Hey, we might as well talk now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm probably in now. No. Yeah. I mean that feels like across the line that I probably don't want to cross. <laughs> I can't. Well, yeah, I can't even do that. It's close. How many weeks? Forever. Yeah, forever. Nah, I, I couldn't do it. I, I could. I could probably do it for a short period of time because I could take the million bucks and lose someplace else where they don't know me. We call that the cabin in the woods scenario for Mark. Yes, <laughs> right. That is the cabin in the woods scenario. <laughs> you know, I, I was actually thinking the other day. It's kind of. I'm surprised. I don't know if I'm surprised. Maybe I am surprised. I don't know what the word is. I'm kind of surprised that, like, as many herfs as we've done, there's never been that one time where, like, you've been like, are you in the bathroom? Well, Johnny's in the bathroom every time. That's true. Johnny smokes in the bathroom. Well, yeah, but, like, not, like, in the bathroom. That's true. Uh, But, like, like, Patty. Like, Patty does some really good, funny TikTok videos. Like, and you can tell, like... He's in the bathroom. Sure. Yeah, no. I'm not going to break Are that you? seal. So no. it's not coming no. from me. No. You, you, you can tell when I'm in the kitchen because that's, that's time for me to go into the witness protection program and <laughs> right. exactly. go to bed, but not the bathroom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. The more I think about that, I'm a hard no. Yeah, I'm no. What about you, Nigel? Hard no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Man, we appreciate you uh, coming on here. I know it was kind of not really short circuit, but you know, earlier in this week, it was fun because Kev actually texted texted me one morning and said, and he was like, "Hey, for your one of your leadership shows, you need to have Nigel on there." I was like, "Dude, I actually, am already ahead of you. That's yeah. it's been in our notes over here for a while." And once I heard that from a listener and from somebody that we both know, I was like, you know what? We just need to go ahead and manifest it and, and do it. Pull the trigger. Yeah. This has been amazing. Um, this has been just awesome. Nigel, is one, pr- I jokingly say this and, and you always give me a hard time. Nigel is one of those people that I watch, right? I yep. watch the way he <clears throat> handles things. Um, and uh, I take notes. I mean, he's one of those people I pay attention to. We all want to be like Nigel. I do. I guess I better go back and read my book again. Then you do. Well, <laughs> I, I like the way you handle things, so yeah. I, I pay attention to people. I like the way handle way way you know. So it's one of those those people. I, there's you know, you look at people and you say, "I like the way you're doing things," and you pay attention. I like the way you live your life, and I, I pay attention. So, yep. well, I appreciate it, and thank you all for the the invitation. And it's always great to hang out with you both. Smoke great cigars and exchange good ideas. How was the Wanderlust? Wanderlust is outstanding. Look that, at that. That looks like it's nub worthy. That it is. is it is. It is. I'm going to, uh, if you find more, let me know. We are going to find more and <laughs> we will send you some. We will We'll but, definitely take care of that. We think we know where we have an in on I that. Think, I think I have an in. Huh. Yep. So I know a guy, as it's, Nigel has put it before. Yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. a guy who knows <laughs> a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> just need to know somebody that knows somebody. That's yeah. right. 
All right. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. Um, you, again, everybody, thank you for everybody who has donated uh, yep. to both charities. Uh, keep up the awesome work. It really means a lot. Um, you know, uh, Ian, I, I texted Ian. I was like, hey, you're about to see an influx of donations. This is what it what it's for. And he's like, dude, that's that's awesome. And it's one of those things where, like, you know, he's my brother, and I've never heard like a dude that's awesome thanks kind of thing just because we're we're fucking brothers right but it's it is it's one of those things that it's it's special and and dear to him and i told him was like cigar people they love their cigars so if they if there's a chance to win a whole bunch of cool stuff and and get a raffle i mean they're they're doing it for a good good purpose and good cause as well uh nigel thank you so much for you know uh donating a a a cigar uh to it uh know it really means a lot to both of us and especially me since it is you know my little brother i say little younger because he's yeah quite bigger quite bigger than me (laughs) um but i I appreciate everybody out there who's who's done both i know uh fidel and sarah they're uh, as equally grateful uh, as well um so we'll be drawing that a week from the day that this comes out so you still have a little bit of time to uh, to get into it and everything yep so really, just appreciate everybody out there. Uh, again, Nigel, thanks for coming on the show. Um, it's been enlightening, and hopefully, somebody out there, um, you know, get gets a little bit of uh, something out of it. Well, thank you all again, and uh, I appreciate uh, what each of you do, and who you are, and how you go about doing it. And so, I know people love to listen to you as well. There's a a lot of humor, but also a lot of seriousness and uh, good stuff that comes out of it. So. Keep doing what you do. Uh, Thank you. We, we appreciate it. We're going to you know, give it the old college try. So, <laughs> all right. We will see everybody next week. Be good. Later.